Journey of the King, Parts 10 and 11, From Time and the Gods, by Lord Dunsany. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Time and the Gods, by Lord Dunsany. Journey of the King, Part 10. Then Mohantis spake, the hermit prophet, who lived in the deep untraveled woods that seclude Lake Alana. I dreamed that to the west of all the seas I saw by vision the mouth of Munra'o, guarded by golden gates, and through the bars of the gates that guard the mysterious river of Munra'o, I saw the flashes of golden barks, wherein the gods went up and down, and to and fro, through the evening dusk. And I saw that Munra'o was a river of dreams such as came through remembered gardens in the night, to charm our infancy as we slept beneath the sloping gables of the houses of long ago. And Munra'o rolled down her dreams from the unknown inner land and slid them under the golden gates and out into the waste, unheeding sea, till they beat far off upon low-lying shores and murmured songs of long ago to the islands of the south, or shouted tumultuous paeons to the northern crags, or cried forlornly against rocks where no one came dreams that might not be dreamed. Many gods there be, that through the dusk of an evening in the summer go up and down this river. There I saw, in a high bark all of gold, gods of the pomp of cities. There I saw gods of splendor, in boats bejeweled to the keels, gods of magnificence and gods of power. I saw the dark ships and the glint of steel of the gods whose trade was war and I heard the melody of the bells of silver arrow in the rigging of harp-strings as the gods of melody went sailing through the dusk on the river of Munra-o. Wonderful river of Munra-o! I saw a gray ship with sails of the spider's web, all lit with dewdrop lanterns, and on its prow was a scarlet cock with its wings spread far and wide, when the gods of the dawn sailed also on Munra-o. Down this river it is the wont of the gods to carry the souls of men eastward to where the world in the distance faces on Munra'o. Then I knew that when the gods of the pride of power and gods of the pomp of cities went down the river in their tall gold ships to take earthward other souls, swiftly adown the river and between the ships had gone in this boat of birch bark the god Tarn, the hunter, bearing my soul to the world. And I know now that he came down the stream in the dusk, keeping well to the middle, and that he moved silently and swiftly among the ships, wielding a twin-bladed oar. I remember now the yellow gleaming of the great boats of the gods of the pomp of cities, and the huge prow above me of the gods of the pride of power, when Tarn, dipping his right blade into the river, lifted his left blade high, and the drops gleamed and fell. Thus Tarn the hunter took me to the world that faces across the sea of the west, on the gate of Munra'o, and so it was that there grew upon me the glamour of the hunt, though I had forgotten Tarn, and took me into mossy places and into dark woods, and I became the cousin of the wolf, and looked into the lynx's eyes, and knew the bear, and the birds called to me with half-remembered notes, and there grew in me a deep love of great rivers and of all western seas, and a distrust of cities, and all the while I had forgotten Tarn. I know not what high galleon shall come for thee, O king, nor what rowers, clad with purple, 
shall row at the bidding of gods when thou goest back with pomp to the river of munra-o but for me tarn waits where the seas of the west break over the edge of the world and as the years pass over me and the love of the chase sinks low and as the glamour of the dark woods and mossy places dies down in my soul ever louder and louder lap the ripples against the canoe of birch-bark where holding his twin-bladed oar tarn waits but when my soul hath no more knowledge of the woods nor kindred any longer with the creatures of the dark and when all that tarn hath given it shall be lost then tarn shall take me back over the western seas where all the remembered years lie floating idly a-swing with the ebb and flow to bring me again to the river of munra-o far up that river we shall haply chase those creatures whose eyes are peering in the night as they prowl around the world for tarn was ever a hunter part eleven then ulf spake the prophet who in sistramides lives in a temple anciently dedicated to the gods rumor hath guessed that there the gods walked once some time towards evening but time whose hand is against the temples of the gods hath dealt harshly with it and overturned its pillars and set upon its ruins his sign and seal now ulf dwells there alone and ulf said there sets o king a river outward from earth which meets with a mighty sea whose waters roll through space and fling their billows on the shores of every star these are the river and the sea of the tears of men and the king said men have not written of this sea and the prophet answered have not tears enough burst in the night-time out of sleeping cities have not the sorrows of ten thousand homes sent streams into this river when twilight fell and it was still and there was none to hear had there not been hopes, and were they all fulfilled? Had there not been conquests and bitter defeats? And have not flowers, when spring was over, died in the gardens of many children? Tears enough, O king, tears enough have gone down out of earth to make such a sea, and deep it is and wide, and the gods know it, and it flings its spray on the shores of all the stars. Down this river, and across this sea, Thou shalt fare in a ship of sighs, and all around thee, over the sea, shall fly the prayers of men which rise on white wings higher than their sorrows, sometimes perched in the rigging, sometimes crying around thee, shall go the prayers that avail not to stay thee in Zarkandu. Far over the waters, and on the wings of the prayers, beats the light of an inaccessible star. No hand hath touched it, none hath journeyed to it, it hath no substance it is only a light it is the star of hope and it shines far over the sea and brightens the world it is not but a light but the gods gave it led only by the light of this star the myriad prayers that thou shalt see all around thee fly to the hall of the gods sighs shall waft thy ship of sighs over the sea of tears Thou shalt pass by islands of laughter and lands of song lying low in the sea, and all of them drenched with tears, flung over their rocks by the waves of the sea, all driven by the sighs. But at last thou shalt come with the prayers of men to the great hall of the gods, where the chairs of the gods are carved of onyx, grouped round the golden throne of the eldest of the gods. And there, O king, hope not to find the gods, 
but reclining upon the golden throne, wearing a cloak of his master's, thou shalt see the figure of time, with blood upon his hands, and loosely dangling from his fingers a dripping sword, and spattered with blood, but empty shall stand the onyx chairs. There he sits on his master's throne, dangling idly his sword, or with it flicking cruelly at the prayers of men that lie in a great heap bleeding at his feet. For a while, O king, the gods had sought to solve the riddles of time. For a while they made him their slave, and time smiled and obeyed his masters. For a while, O king, for a while. He that hath spared nothing hath not spared the gods, nor yet shall he spare thee. Then the king spake dolefully in the hall of kings, and said, May I not find at last the gods, and must it be that I may not look in their faces at the last, to see whether they be kindly. They that have sent me on my earthward journey, I would greet on my returning, if not as a king coming again to his own city, yet as one who having been ordered had obeyed, and obeying had merited something of those for whom he toiled. I would look them in their faces, O prophet, and ask them, concerning many things, and would know the wherefore of much. I had hoped, O prophet, that those gods that had smiled upon my childhood, whose voices stirred at evening in gardens when I was young, would hold dominion still, when at last I came to seek them. O prophet, if this is not to be, make you a great dirge for my childhood's gods, and fashion silver bells, and, setting them mostly a-swing amidst such trees as grew in the garden of my childhood, sing you this dirge in the dusk, and sing it when the low moth flies up and down, and the bat first comes peering from her home. Sing it when white mists come rising from the river, when smoke is pale and gray, while flowers are yet closing, ere voices are yet hushed. Sing it while all things yet lament the day, or ever the great lights of heaven come blazing forth, and night with her splendors takes the place of day. For if the old gods die, let us lament them, or ever new knowledge comes, while all the world still shudders at their loss. For at the last, O prophet, what is left? Only the gods of my childhood, dead. Only time, striding large and lonely through the spaces, chilling the moon and paling the light of stars, and scattering earthward, out of both his hands, the dust of forgetfulness over the fields of heroes and smitten temples of the older gods. But when the other prophets heard with what doleful words the king spake in the hall, they all cried out, It is not as Ulf has said, but as I have said, and I. Then the king pondered long, not speaking. But down in the city, in a street between the houses, stood grouped together they that were wont to dance before the king, and they that had borne his wine in jeweled cups. Long they had tarried in the city, hoping that the king might relent, and once again regard them with kindly faces, calling for wine and song. The next morning they were all to set out in search of some new kingdom, and they were peering between the houses and up the long gray street to see for the last time the palace of King Ebalon. And pattering leaves the dancer cried, Not any more, not any more at all shall we drift up the carven hall to dance before the king. He that now watches the magic of his prophets will behold no more the wonder of the dance. And among ancient parchments, strange and wise, 
he shall forget the swirl of drapery when we swing together through the dance of the myriad steps and with her were silvern fountain and summer lightning and dream of the sea each lamenting that they should dance no more to please the eyes of the king and in tan who had carried at the banquet for fifty years the goblet of the king set with its four sapphires each as large as an eye said as he spread his hands towards the palace making the sign of farewell not all the magic of prophecy nor yet foreseeing nor perceiving may equal the power of wine through the small door in the king's hall one goes by one hundred steps and many sloping corridors into the cool of the earth where lies a cavern vaster than the hall therein curtained by the spider repose the casks of wine that are wont to gladden the hearts of the kings of zarkandu in islands far to the eastward the vine from whose heart this wine was long since wrung hath climbed aloft with many a clutching finger and beheld the sea and ships of the olden time and men since dead and gone down into the earth again and been covered over with weeds and green with the damp of years there lie three casks that a city gave not up until all her defenders were slain and her houses fired and ever to the soul of that wine is added a more ardent fire as ever the years go by thither it is my pride to go before a banquet in the olden years and coming up to bear in the sapphire goblet the fire of the elder kings and to watch the king's eye flash and his face grow nobler and more like his sire's as he drank the gleaming wine and now the king seeks wisdom from his prophets while all the glory of the past and all the clattering splendor of to-day grows old far down forgotten beneath his feet and when he ceased the cup-bearers and the women that danced looked long in silence at the palace then one by one all made the farewell sign before they turned to go and as they did this a herald unseen in the dark was speeding towards them after a long silence the king spake prophets of my kingdom he said you have not prophesied alike and the words of each prophet condemns his fellow's words so that the wisdom may not be discovered among prophets but i command that none in my kingdom shall doubt that the earliest king of zarkandu stored wine beneath this palace before the building of the city or ever the palace arose and i shall cause commands to be uttered for the making of a banquet at once within this hall so that ye shall perceive that the power of my wine is greater than all your spells and dancing more wondrous than prophecy the dancers and the wine-bearers were summoned back and as the night wore on a banquet was spread and all the prophets bidden to be seated saman yanath monith yanarthun the prophet of journeys zornadhu yamin paharn ilana ulf and one that had not spoken nor yet revealed his name and who wore his prophet's cloak across his face and the prophets feasted as they were commanded and spake as other men spake save he whose face was hidden who neither ate nor spake once he put out his hand from under his cloak and touched a blossom among the flowers upon the table and the blossom fell and pattering leaves came in and danced again and the king smiled 
and pattering lees was happy though she had not the wisdom of the prophets and in and out in and out in and out among the columns of the hall went summer lightning in the maze of the dance and silver fountain bowed before the king and danced and danced and bowed again and old Inton went to and fro from the cavern to the king gravely through the mist of the dancers but with kindly eyes and when the king had often drunk of the old wine of the elder kings he called for dream of the sea and bade her sing and dream of the sea came through the arches and sang of an island builded by magic out of pearls that lay set in a ruby sea and how it lay far off and under the south guarded by jagged reefs whereon the sorrows of the world were wrecked and never came to the island and how a low sunset always reddened the sea and lit the magic isle and never turned to night and how some one sang always and endlessly to lure the soul of a king who might by enchantment pass the guarding reefs to find rest on the pearl island and not be troubled more but only see sorrows on the outer reef battered and broken then soul of the south rose up and sang a song of a fountain that ever sought to reach the sky and was ever doomed to fall to the earth again until at last then whether it was the art of pattering leaves or the song of dream of the sea or whether it was the fire of the wine of the elder kings ebalon bade farewell kindly to the prophets when morning paled the stars then along the torchlit corridors the king went to his chamber and having shut the door in the empty room beheld suddenly a figure wearing the cloak of a prophet and the king perceived that it was he whose face was hidden at the banquet who had not revealed his name and the king said art thou too a prophet and the figure answered i am a prophet and the king said knowest thou aught concerning the journey of the king and the figure answered i know but have never said and the king said who art thou that knowest so much and has not told it and he answered i am the end then the cloaked figure strode away from the palace and the king unseen by the guards followed upon his journey the end end of journey of the king parts 10 and 11 End of Time and the Gods by Lord Dunsany